Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, Jesus' parable in the opening verses of Luke chapter 16 tells one of the most difficult and challenging parables that Christendom has wrestled with for centuries. The little editorial comments, the headings that are placed throughout our biblical texts, reveal a variety of understandings of this passage. The New King James calls it the unjust steward. Our ESV suggests the dishonest manager. Another popular translation calls him the shrewd manager. A title which seems to indicate some measure of admiration for the accomplishments of this man. Richard Leischer suggests this glimmer of admiration voiced in the parable by the steward's none too ethical boss has led many churches to adopt the dishonest, shrewd, or perhaps shady steward as its patron saint of Stewardship Sunday. Another popular explanation of the parable in the history of interpretation has been to exonerate the manager by suggesting that the 50 measures of oil and 20 measures of wheat that were forgiven represented the manager's share. The master's portion was left untouched and collectible by the manager's successor. In effect, the manager had bought the favor of his master's creditors with his own money. Now somehow, this does just not ring true to me. This is based on information that is not found in the biblical text. Doc Rousseau observes that, more often than not, it has suggested a life goal sermon on the proper stewardship of wealth, on seeking security on imperishable things, or on faithfulness in both the material and spiritual realms. Augustine is typical here when he asked, why did the Lord set this before us? It is not because the servant cheated, but because he exercised foresight for the future. And a little later in his same sermon, Augustine urges hospitality saying, let the unworthy in, in case the worthy might be excluded. You cannot be a judge and sifter of hearts. Now I'm sorry, but this man was a scoundrel and a cheat, and the master praised him, period. So what are we to do with this text from Luke chapter 16? Let me suggest that the parable is finally about one thing, and let me show you that by retelling it from a different perspective. Shalom, my name is Joseph, and I'm a tenant farmer, a keeper of olive trees for a man named Benui. Mr. Benui owns an orchard with almost 100 olive trees, and I've tended them for more than a decade now. There have been good years and bad in that time. Two years ago, I had to prune some of the trees back quite a bit, and they are still recovering. The rains came late for the last couple of years, and the crop did not get a good start. The harvest was small. And I've had other difficulties as well. Well, blessings really, but, but still difficulties. My wife, Sarayi, gave birth to a daughter just before the harvest, and so I had to hire more help than usual, especially for the pressing of the oil. There was not enough to pay both the extra help and the owner's share. Thankfully, Mr. Benui let me write a note of debt, but this has greatly worried Sarai. 
She is constantly reminding me that there will be a day of reckoning. And then today, Mr. Levi, that's Mr. Benui's manager, he sent a runner saying, come immediately and bring your note of debt. Sarah, you was distraught. Didn't I tell you a reckoning must come? Now what? So I gather my note and I went with the Psalm of David in my heart. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. When I got to Mr. Levi's office, I couldn't be more stunned. Mr. Benui is merciful. Levi said, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. 50 measures of oil. There will be money to pay for the harvesting and the pressing. There'll be more than enough to pay the balance of my debt when the harvest comes. There will be something for my infant daughter and for her brother. And Sarai, she gets a new pair of sandals. Praise Yahweh, for Mr. Benui was merciful. The parable, I suggest, is about mercy. But wait a minute, you might say. That mercy is founded on a lie. And you'd be right. But to Joseph, it is still mercy. And mercy is what he desperately needed for himself, for his family, and for his future. Mercy is what we need as well. We have been unfaithful in very little and also in much. Verse 10. We have been unfaithful in that which is another's as well as that which is our own. Verse 12. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And in Romans chapter 3, Paul quotes the psalmist saying, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, Isaiah writes in chapter 64. Yet Christ died for us while we were still sinners, we read in Romans 5. Even in our most heroic moments of faith, we are simultaneously saint and sinner. We need mercy. Now there's an ancient prayer that comes down to us out of the Eastern tradition of the church. It originated in the monasteries located in the Egyptian desert during the fifth century. It is a conflation of three biblical texts from the Christological hymn of Philippians 2, Lord Jesus Christ, from the Annunciation of Mary in Luke 1, Son of God, and from the parable of the Pharisees and the publican in Luke 18, be merciful to me, a sinner. Together we have, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. This prayer can be your comfort and companion during sleepless nights, repeated into the darkness to bring light to your soul. It can be punctuated with petitions from your prayer list, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and on my brother who struggles in the faith. It can be, it is, our prayer without ceasing. Lord, have mercy. But let us return to our objection that the mercy of the parable is founded on a lie. And let me ask, what could be more accurate, more prophetically true than this mercy of Benui 
based on the lie of Levi. Christ was crucified for a lie, after all. Before the Sanhedrin, he was innocent. Many witnesses were brought, but they did not agree because it was a lie. In the end, they convicted him of blasphemy, that he claimed to be the son of God. Yet that was no lie. Before Herod, he was innocent, for all Herod wanted to see were parlor tricks, more lies. Before Pilate, he was innocent. When the people kept shouting, crucify, crucify him, Pilate asked, why? What evil has he done? I find in him no guilt deserving death. Christ died for a lie that we might have mercy. Mercy in the water and word of baptism, you are mine. Mercy in the words of the declaration of grace, you are forgiven. Mercy in the bread and wine, the body and blood of Jesus given and shed for you. God has shown us mercy in and through Jesus, our Redeemer. So it all depends on mercy. But let us return to the scoundrel for a moment, Mr. Levi, in this retelling. His shrewdness consisted in his knowledge that the master, Mr. Benui, was in fact a merciful man. Even more, that Mr. Benui considered that attribute to be of value, great value even. Certainly of more value than the loss of a few hundred denarii. Now perhaps there were more debtors than the two were told about in the parable. Perhaps there were 10 or even 20. It would not have mattered, for Mr. Benui knew the wisdom of Solomon, that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Mr. Benui would honor the rewritten letters of debt happily, knowing that his merciful name had gained more capital than the loss of unrighteous mammon. What a wonderful picture of the Heavenly Father, who is mercy. The Psalms redound with Yahweh's praise as a merciful God. Psalm 86, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Through his prophet Jeremiah, he calls his wayward children to himself. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Or for a New Testament perspective, Paul writes to Titus, reminding him and us, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. God is merciful, even at the price of his own Son, whom he did not spare, but whom he sent, that he might be a ransom for many. Now we might rail against the scoundrel in this parable, this dishonest manager, but aren't we unjust stewards as well? And here, I don't want to focus on the front end of the parable, the misdeeds on the, of the man, but rather on what the master has to say about him in verse 8. 
the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Hiding behind the title, the master, in the Greek are the words ho kyrios, the Lord. Despite all our misdeeds on the front end of our lives, it will be the Lord, with a capital L, that will invite us at the last, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared to you from the foundation of the world. Why? Because we are in Christ through faith. We falter at the sight of the steward. We falter at the sight of our own sins. But that is from our perspective. Thanks to Jesus, God sees it differently. God has shown us mercy in and through Jesus, our Redeemer. When he looks at us, he sees not our sins, but his Son. In the Father's eyes, we are no longer sinners, but saints. You are redeemed, made righteous by the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. He has given us his perfect righteousness. And because that is all he sees, he will greet us at the last. Well done, good and faithful servant. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.